0: It's Inappropriate Characters.
1: Hello and welcome to Inappropriate Characters. This is the RPG Pundit, the final boss in Internet Shitlords, and I'm here with Benger and Grim Jim as usual. And uh, this is our last show of the year, so we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, summing, summing up some of the things that have happened. And uh, we're going to also talk about some of the, the last controversies in the gaming field this year. Because mm. that so seems to be our thing. Off. Sorry? That seems to be our thing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's what we're for, you know, the the intellectual dark web of the uh, of the RPG world. Um, <laughs> so basically the, the big controversy I think that's been happening this last little while uh, in the gaming world, is uh, that we had Stacy Delorcano, who's uh, was uh, one well the founder really of the Contessa uh, Online Gaming Convention for women. Well, not for women. Women run um, that has made a declaration calling for the boycotting of Gary Con, and uh, Gary Con for anybody watching who doesn't know is the uh, it's a convention that has been held on a yearly basis um, sometime shortly after um, the death of Gary Gygax. I believe it's organized by the Gygax family and it's held, um, you know, in, in Wisconsin there. And it's a big, big event for, for the OSR, right? Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a second, Venture. We'll get to that because I want to mention this.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a, a very important con as far as the OSR is concerned, because really it is the OSR's big con, right? I mean, certainly Gen Con isn't. Um, and Del is calling for the boycotting of it because this year uh, they had invited, uh, Bill Webb as a guest of honor. Bill Webb is a designer from Frog God Games, an important OSR company, publishing company. And, uh, allegedly bill webb had done some kind of you know inappropriate harassment of a woman at some point um apparently related to to Pizo in some way um jessica price at least felt she had to 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 claim that or something along those lines um you know again there's there i i don't know if that's true or not certainly in this day and age uh, I don't want to assume it's true, but I'm not saying it's not true. Right. Um, but there, you know, show me the evidence, right. Show me some kind of proof because uh, the days are now long past as far as I'm concerned, where we're going to like blacklist someone because of an, uh, of an allegation with no actual you know, foundation to back it. Um, but the, the real thing that struck me is that, uh, Stacey Deller-Fano um, got a real boost from the OSR in the very early days of the Contessa um, event, right? That that they put together, and this was this was a situation where uh, in the very first um, the very first Contessa event, uh, you had almost all of the kind of the progressive left groups of the role-playing hobby um, not supporting Contessa. They had, they had kind of condemned Contessa. Why? Because Stacy had set it up. So it was all about gaming. It was, it was women running the games, women and men playing the games. And there was no, um, you know, there was nothing but gaming there. And so a lot of the online feminists, Claim that this was really problematic because uh, it meant it, it suggested that women could just play RPGs. You know, how dare we? How, how could that be possible? It's it's just you know that sends the wrong message. The message has to be that women are incapable of playing RPGs because of toxic masculinity and any woman centered con. This is this is a big problem, um, and they they didn't get the support that they wanted except. Yeah. except that the 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 osr largely backed this right and the rpg site for example was one of the first big sites and myself one of the first big names that said yeah i think this is a great idea i support this right so you know this is kind of a stab in the back right and furthermore frog god games gave stacy a job they did one of their editions of Swords and Wizardry was done by a team that I believe Stacy put together oh, in third edition that 's right and if not Stacy was a part of this uh of this team anyways that did all the layout and the art and everything um and so they went out of their way to promote Stacy and what Stacy does right and then we get this now besides this on stacy 's social media, they were um <laughs> They, they were saying posts, basically saying that the OSR is full of, oh, my God, alt-right Nazis. Once again, unable to point to a single person or product that is actually, you know, of the alt-right. Uh, and that the OSR is a, as an idea is over, the OSR is dead. We should stop using the term OSR. We have to invent some new term and all sorts of stuff like this, right? So this was just an all-around um, shitting on of the, of the OSR. And Gary Khan as an extension of that.
2: Um, Wasn't there an early sign, though, that that Stacy's whole thing, her whole vibe or shtick, was just, like, not right? Like, there was something fundamentally... I mean, not anything about keeping women from gaming, because I don't want to be a gatekeeper, and I don't think anyone should be, because everybody should be able to play wherever they want, whatever they want, and with whoever they want. But... There was just some sort of like militant, like bad feminism vibe that I constantly got off of her. And I don't know, it's just I don't know if it was the things she said or the things she didn't say, but yeah, a lot of people gave her a lot of credence and a lot of leeway and kind of maybe looked the other way when she said something that seemed kind of fucked up. I mean. You know, if Hitler wants to sue okay, fine. But once he invades Poland, no, you just get, you have to stop him there or else he keeps taking and he keeps taking and he keeps taking. He moves the goalpost, and all of a sudden, you know, it's World War II. So that's well, look- like that, not just the social justice warriors, but anyone who comes in guns blazing and wants a revolution and wants to do things a whole new way and they're like, they have these people behind them and they're just like going full force with their agenda, you know, people are eventually going to get in their way and those people in their mind have to be stopped. And they do that, you know, through the usual channels by character assassination and harassment and deep platforming and all this other bullshit. So I kind of saw this coming like years ago and finally yeah. Then Tenkar kind of realized, like, "Whoa, this bitch is whack," and now I think everybody else is caught up and uh, and saw. The- I have to say,
1: I did not, I did not notice this at first because I had uh, good interactions with with Stacy. Um, mm-hmm. Stacy was was happy that the RPG site was supporting the first Contessa, um, and you know, I I thought. That the emphasis on actual play instead of you know panel discussions and things like that right. was a really good sign. But I think that somewhere along the way, um, probably a lot earlier than I noticed, because after that I didn't pay all that much attention. I was just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So I stopped thinking about it. But obviously, somewhere along the way, the the whole concept changed, right? And uh, and yeah, now it's pretty obvious that there's you know that it's a serious it's a serious issue there and. You know what you say. Um, <coughs> Bill Webb chose to withdraw as a guest of honor, right. and Stacy went and did a post saying that's not enough. It's not acceptable. We still have it's to boycott Gary Khan. We still have to destroy Bill Webb's career. We still have to oppose all of this. It's never right?
0: enough. No, it's
1: never enough. <laughs> Bill Bill paid the Dane geld and discovered that you know it's uh, when you do that, you never stop paying, right? So yeah, the
0: Vikings I, keep I coming know, back
1: bill if bill webb was actually a harasser or not i, well, I, I don't comment one way or the other but he was definitely wrong for having backed down at this moment you know um,
0: i did i did some investigation today fig- figuring that we would be talking about this so it all seems to trace back to an event now. i think it was piezo in 2017 where he was self-admittedly piss drunk and did something inappropriate but it's not exactly clear what he did, how, how bad it was to what extent it was bad. And it does seem to have been dealt with whatever he did. You know, he was followed around. He was prevented from doing anything else. He was told off, you know, he, he admitted wrongdoing. Um, and I haven't, I can't find any evidence of him having done anything else other than being drunk at conventions. Um, which, is par for the course of British conventions. I don't know, I don't know what it's like at American conventions. I know they're a bit more flighty about alcohol in some ways. Well, it is, but he, it is he does,
2: well, If you're not it, drinking a beer, you're pretty much not doing it right. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, so he seems to have done something, you know, a year ago, more than a year ago. And now it seems that the the, the punishment must be perpetual. I mean, I don't know how bad it was because it was all dealt with through back channels and so on.
1: Let's clarify though, that it wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't anything that got criminal charges filed. No, it wasn't. Right. You know, he didn't rape someone. Right. Um, no, it was probably that he was drunk and said something inappropriate.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and See, and I and That alone would have been, you know, that's not good, but it is that, no. that was an issue. But I think then, some security guard or some con personnel at PaizoCon like tried to intervene once he saw this interaction go south, and I think at one point Bill Webb like laid a hand on him to some degree, and I think that's that's where it kind of snowballed into like well it's now it's an incident and now it's all about Bill Webb and Fog God Games and for a couple months yeah. and, like you know he got rolled into. Yeah, the Me Too movement with role-playing games. Um,
1: okay, so he acted like an ass, right? We can all but, agree on that. <laughs> but but now Stacey D'Orfano is acting like an ass, right? Oh, yes. And absolutely. all of this, the, this gang behind Stacey that are acting like asses.
2: But the good news is that a lot of people, are, and she said it, she admitted it on her own website, a lot of people that she thought were behind her that she thought were her friends or her comrades are actively criticizing her and saying, no, we're not behind this. And we're not going to support this boycott or try to continue to ruin this guy's life perpetually. And they're sickened by it. Some of them, uh, it's disgusting and they realize it. They want no part of it, which is awesome. And so a lot of people on her own side are telling Stacey like, nope, you've gone too far. This is crazy. Like, leave this guy alone. Leave Gary Khan alone. Like, you're doing more damage. Yeah, I think, I think Stacey didn't realize. Feminist, you know, role-playing thing. Stacey didn't realize that that
1: age is starting to pass now, thank goodness. And uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see who shows up, you know. Like, specifically, from what I understand, Mike Merles is supposed to be there at Gary Con. He'd done a tweet some time ago before the, you know, the call for a boycott saying that he was going to be there, or implying that he was going to be there, and since that time has not, not said anything as far as I know, saying that he's not going to be there, right? So that's, that's something I'm going to find is inter- to be interesting, but I've heard a rumor that there's someone else who's going to be there that'll be pretty interesting too, which is venture Tanis. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Are you going to be at
2: GaryCon? That is true. I am officially going to be there. Uh, actually, you know, I, I brought up uh, the whole issue um with Stacy and her boycott to my wife, and she's like, You know what? if you really want to go, you know we'll find a way and so normally you, have my- an awesome, you, you have an cat. awesome wife man <laughs> yeah, yeah she' is awesome I mean she is um I, you know, I got lucky with the parole officer uh, <laughs> like, Let's yeah, aside, aside from not letting you stay up past your you know bedtime but <laughs> <laughs> but normally I would come like sort of during the middle and I would stay to the end. But this time, cause I'd be, normally I'd be at work Thursday and Friday anyway. So I'm going Thursday morning, like after the kids go off to school and I'll be there through early Saturday afternoon and I'll just come home like before dinner so I can help put the kids to bed and get everything organized. So yeah, I'll be there Thursday, Friday and like a good portion of Saturday. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm be able. to I'm going to be able to go, and that's awesome. I've already signed up for games, like running games. So they've been approved already. Great. Everyone wants to join in? What are you uh, running? Alpha Blue, of course. Um, but also I've been working on um, Chult, which is my science fantasy post-apocalyptic campaign setting. Mm-hmm. make a Dungeon and everything. And instead of doing my own thing for that, I kind of want more of a neutral... And uh, like majority type OSR D D game, so, so it was And the other, I'm doing um, just fifth edition. Um, so I like to not to do Crimson Dragon Slayer, which I would normally do, just because I don't want to focus on Crimson like the system. I want to focus on like how it runs. It's how it set. runs normally for like ninety percent of, of people that would buy this,
1: right? Well, that's how it worked for Dark Albion as a product, right? It's a system neutral product, and it worked well. So, cool. but you've got it lucky because you're on the right continent. Myself and uh, Grim are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> actually
2: like uh, just under an hour and a half away. Drive
1: no, really close for you. It's very, now, very it would be about fourteen hours or so, I think. But <laughs> but uh, I've already said on, yeah, on, on my YouTube channel, and I'll repeat it here. That if there's any group of guys that wanna set up a GoFundMe or something like that, if they raise the funds for for me to travel there, then I will go and I will be there at Gary Con. But uh, you know, I'm not gonna do it myself. But if if, if there's somebody out there that really, really wants to have both Venger and the Pundit there, uh, then I'm <laughs> on board. And I don't know about Grim Jim, I'm not gonna speak for him, but uh yeah, it would <laughs> be quite travel. to have uh inappropriate characters live at GaryCon. <laughs>
0: It's kind of ironic this whole Garycon thing because um, you know there is some fire behind the smoke when it comes to the accusations against Webb, however overblown and overplayed they've been. But it's here where a lot of people seem to have drawn a line in the sand and said no more. It's it, yeah. one thing I really resent about things like this about people like Stacey is that they've made me hyper skeptical of these kind of accusations yeah because there's been so many that are bullshit or when you drill down and find out what actually happened it's it's virtually nothing and this has happened so often in so many different spheres that now when someone gets accused of something my first instinct is not oh my god how terrible we you know we should do something about this it's really
1: yeah that's the that's the worst possible effect of all of this which is that that um because it's been politicized now you 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 can't by default assume that an accusation has some kind of validity right you have to you you need to see some serious evidence because there's been so many cases where it hadn't right like right during yeah. right during the the Kavanaugh hearings right never mind the the lack of evidence there right but during the same time those hearings were taking place you had a case going on I think it was in California where you had um five girls that falsely accused uh, a guy they were all teenagers they were all in high school they falsely accused him of sexual assault he ended up spending time in a youth detention facility and then later under house arrest with an ankle bracelet his education was ruined his career prospects were ruined and then eventually, their their claim unraveled, and they all admitted that they that they lied because they just didn't like him. He just he was just weird, so they decided to to make up this story about him, right? Um, yeah. And so like, we're supposed to destroy people's careers on the basis of absolutely believing these 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 claims at a time when we see cases where these claims are, you know, directly. You know, if not outright lies, then sometimes they're they're incidents that that don't merit the level of destroying someone's entire life for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you should always be skeptical.
1: Yeah,
0: you you should always be skeptical. You should always ask for evidence. But even so, in in these previous cases, you know, you had a certain amount of trust in people and faith in the community that people wouldn't make accusations that that didn't really amount to anything and now that that trust has gone out the window it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that you know people don't believe women well
1: yeah. you know, i think believe- when it's when it's obvious that the person being accused it's not always that because i mean this high school kid for is a perfect example of when it wasn't that but but there when when you have a situation where the person being accused is someone that has some sort of a a position of importance, be it in a tiny subculture like the OSR or in a, you know, in a in a very significant sense like Kavanaugh, right? Where this is where you look at it and you say, well, okay, now is there any chance that this is real? Or is this somebody doing this as a political weapon to destroy someone that is an ideological opponent? You know, like it makes it all the more harder, right? Which is a big, big problem because sometimes people who are in positions of great power you know, if they're the ones that are abusing that power, they most need to be held to account, right? So like that, that's even worse, because yeah. it's to be that you think, well, you know, we need to take this really, really seriously when it's a case like this. But now when it's when you get somebody who's, you know, very clearly a target of the political left, that makes it incredibly hard to believe it, right? Just because we know that this has been done so many times before
0: yeah and it's such a serious accusation it's going nuclear when you accuse someone of something like that and to disempower it in this way is just um
1: and the unfortunate side effect is that it's no longer being nuclear right like eventually yeah this this problem of consistently you know making stuff up or crying wolf or whatever you want to call it is leading to the part where you know Sooner or later, there's going to be this accusation and, and at least 50% yeah. of the people are going to say, well, you know, I just don't believe it, sorry. It, it,
0: it's bad enough that accusations of of racism no longer have the weight they once did. Accusations yeah. of sexism don't. Calling someone alt-right is now essentially meaningless. So calling someone a Nazi yeah, is, is meaningless.
1: It's practically meaningless. And that's horrible. Speaking as someone who had... You know, great grandparents that died in Nazi camps, right? That's the that's yeah. the thing that pisses me off the most about what has you know what's been done by these this group of of assholes. You know,
0: they've taken what what appears to be a single incident with one guy a year ago and used that to try and organize a mass boycott of an event that involves lots of people. How does
1: that? Yeah, figure. well, like collective collective <laughs> guilt, right? Like, I-, I love the fact that they can't point to a single person in the OSR or a single product in the OSR that is actually part of the extreme right or something like that, right? That that's especially not, you know, an alt right Nazi book or a or a racist book or something like that, right? Um, and you know, they- so they 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 don't have any any real basis for this, but they just want to be able to, to create this sense of, of collective condemnation because they've realized that the OSR is uncontrollable. Right. And so they want to change it into some new thing that they have direct control over. Like they did with the indie scene previously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything more to say about this? <coughs> I guess. I- yeah. We're yeah. going to see you on... Uh, I guess we're going to see or hear from you at uh, GaryCon, Venture. I hope you have a good time. <laughs> and, uh, well, you never know. If not this year, maybe maybe next year there'll be more than one of us there.
0: Not not hearing you, Venture. Your sound's gone.
2: How's that? Very- That's better. Okay. I had a mute because I was coughing a little bit earlier. And then I think I unmuted it, and then I wasn't <laughs> sure, and I muted it again. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what well, Gen Con, are you guys, have you ever gone to Gen Con, either of you? Not in, no, not in the US. Was. No, okay. i never gone to Gen Con.
1: Okay. I, haven't Nowadays, been, I don't
2: you know. think I would go, but, you yeah. know. Well, maybe someday we can all go to Gen Con. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah. It takes take some advanced planning to get me anywhere on a plane.
2: Well, we would, <laughs> we would probably all get
1: kicked out of Gen Con as soon as we went through the door. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we'd have to make uh, alternate plans like months before, like this is the off-site. Like, <laughs> you yeah, yeah, have to create a oh, separate way. location, yeah. In case we get kicked out, which we probably will. anti yeah.
0: antigen Con is actually a really good name for
2: a con. yeah. <laughs> Our special guest could be Jeremy Hamley. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'd
1: create the alternative Gen Con. (laughs) All right. So the next topic was uh about the new the end of the year. And uh so I believe that Venger wanted to, to talk about what he saw as the highlights of 2018. And we're also gonna talk about after that our predictions for 2019. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are looking at the chat, but someone just said that uh, Grim is the BA Baracus of our group. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much.
2: We need more gold chains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, many,
0: team. many Norse
2: <laughs> things.
1: <laughs> I pretty. the pool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tell us about what you
2: thought was the highlights of 2018. Okay. Um... Well, you guys can jump in too. I mean, I don't want to. What stamp on? But um, there were a lot of Kickstarters, I guess. Um, True. What the um, that uh, what's a uh, castles and um strongholds and followers. Was that did that come out that Kickstarter that topped over like two million or something? Did that come out in 2018? I,
1: I believe, so I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure, to be honest. I
2: don't know. I just saw I've that...
1: Never, I've never had a Kickstarter, and I, I've never backed a Kickstarter, I'll admit that.
2: There's so many... It's Kickstarter's huge, and yeah. even yeah. though I've been doing it for a long time, so this is, you know, in a week or two when I when I start Chalt, uh, probably even like my 16th, um, but mine are very, very modest. Um... You know, maybe I'll make three, maybe four thousand dollars. You know, the five is probably my top. It works among a lot of people. Well, sometimes their first one, it's like, like, uh, Patrick Stewart with the false machine guy. Um, he's got Sleeping Titans, I think, is is one that he started weeks ago, and I think that's like fifty thousand. I mean, Kickstarter is huge for a lot of uh, Zach S. Zach Smith, I know he's a favorite of everybody's here. Uh, <laughs> his Demon City that did really well like a couple months ago. Yeah. That, I don't know what that was if that was 50,000 or not. Um Lamentations of the Flame Princess seems to be doing really well except for the you know the misstep where <laughs> um apologizing for the um Jordan P here. Dare
1: he take a picture with Canada's greatest intellectual. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um what else? I've you know I've had some good things going. Um I just tore through a whole bunch of Alpha Blue material. Um I don't I think I did like three Kickstars in a row for Alpha Blue, like different supplements and uh adventures and things like that. So that was a highlight for me. Um it sounds to me like you didn't really
1: think through this list ahead of time.
2: No, Eric, be <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, things will just come to me, and then other people will add on, or maybe right. well, to me, never, like, no Chat like I've never seen anyone chatting. I don't have the right thing or technology right. or app.
1: Well, so far, I mean, so, far know, so far, none of the audience has contributed their ideas of what they think is the you bastards. But uh, <laughs> I'm going I'm to name one, which is I think we yeah, uh, had a good. Good things and bad things that happen, but it's definitely something that happened in two thousand and eighteen, which was that that d and d exploded back into like mainstream culture right and it just had a huge huge burst that you could see all over you know social media uh for starters um, of activity, which includes a lot of stuff that that I personally think is not great, but um you, you still have to think. <laughs> That, you know, a rising, a rising tide helps all, all boats. Right. And, and there's a, there's certainly exactly. a benefit to the fact that D and D is really, really big again. Now. Are you, are you talking about like celebrities or are you talking about
2: like, well, D&D? not just celebrities or
1: I'm talking about, yeah, of course, I'm talking about stuff like the live streams and things like that. But, you know, apparently the sales of D and D have been spectacular. Um, right. But I'm also talking about the fact that you see now, which, you know, two or three years ago, you didn't see, um, all these accounts, like mainly for me, it's on Twitter, but I imagine it's the same on, you know, Facebook and other social media. But um, just if you do a search for D&D, you see all of these posts of very young people who are clearly new gamers talking about their game, showing pictures of their characters, uh, doing, you know, all, all sorts of stuff, right? there, There's all kinds of channels that have come up, including inappropriate characters uh, about, you know, D&D and, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff that has made a big, um, a big impact in terms of the growth of D&D. And it's, and it's a visible impact that isn't just e-celebrities, but it's also like a bottom-up sort of thing, which I know that you know it's probably a bit of a fad. And some of these teenagers that are getting totally into D&D now, just like in the last time it was a fad, are not going to stick around in you know two or three years, but a lot of them will, and that's good. Uh, we've got a couple of comments from the audience here now. Kevin DeJordy says, the best thing of 2018, Matt Mercer telling everyone, believe Whammon blindly or your brain damaged. Direct quote there. And uh, Unscripted and Unchained says, 2018, we have seen pushback on SJW intrusion in our hobby. So that's that's true. That's that's a good sign.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've been fooled before thinking there's been about to be a, a, a reversal, but it, do, it does feel like something's happening um especially in the wake of all this gary con stuff um i know some people are talking about setting up alternative awards in a similar way to the sad puppies did for the hugos um versus versus the the uh what is it i can't even remember that's how how little importance the awards Annie's uh, annie's Any's yeah, as an alternative to those. Um, so that that will be interesting, and that does seem to have sort of kicked off this year. What worries me, though, is you just end up with two parallel industries, one way over to the left, one possibly way over to the right, and never the twain shall meet, and I don't think that's particularly healthy. I think that's what's gone wrong with Comicsgate to, to an extent. Rather than correcting for the problems that the that the far left activists have, have created they've created a whole new set of over to the right problems rather than just addressing those those issues and making good comics necessarily though that is happening as well so i'm just a yeah, note of caution I guess
1: I think that that's a possibility i mean it's certainly something that could happen with Comicsgate, that happened to a certain amount because of Kind of right-wing entryism on the part of vox day who was not a guy and decided to be one just to you know piss off the left or whatever right Um, Yeah. i I, I have not yet seen i mean i will tell you as soon as i see it a a an rpg product that is overtly right wing you know like there are rpg products that the left might call right wing you know they might claim that lion and dragon is right wing because you know it presents medieval setting as what it really was like in the middle ages you know but uh, including things like monotheism my god but
2: uh there yeah. be girls with machine guns with blue hair or else yeah yeah well alpha blue <laughs> might
1: say, yeah is is uh, sexist or whatever right but but i think that that you know right now what we have is we have some products that are overtly left-wing, not many. We have a lot of products in the in the kind of mainstream that have been co-opted by the SJWs, including D&D, where what you get is still a product that is not really a left-wing product, but that has a bunch of left-wing kind of notes and propaganda and virtue signaling in it to try to appeal to the progressive crowd. And then you have a bunch of games that are politically incorrect without really being, you know, I, I haven't seen any that like is a you know, I, I haven't seen any that is like a secretly pro-Trump message or something like that, right? <laughs> I don't, I, that, that, that hasn't happened. <laughs> Maybe it could happen. I'm not denying that there's that risk, right? There's that possibility. But so far, it hasn't happened, fortunately. Mm. So any other highlights of the past year? Or should we move um, on? To <laughs> well, highlights and
0: lowlights, I guess. Uh, so we got a new edition of Warhammer, which is pretty good. Um, It's a couple of mildly broken rules, but I look forward to seeing whether it succeeds or not. Um, All the fuss around Vampire is probably worth touching on. I I thought they were actually doing something fairly interesting. I didn't agree with all the choices and so on, but they were kind of pushing the boat out, doing something a bit different, taking a few risks, being edgy in a, in a way like they used to in like first, first and second edition. Um, but they got this enormous unhinged backlash accusing them of being secret Hitler or something behind the scenes and hiding messages and so on. And stupidly that the backing company took this all to heart has reorganized, got rid of everyone. And it seems like Modifius is taking over and i got nothing against Modifius. Um, but they're not particularly edgy. They're not particularly cool. They kind of, they make good workman like games, yeah, middle,
1: of the, middle of the road stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I've got nothing against them. I think they I think they're great. People enjoy some of their games. I backed their Barsoom game though. I think they went a bit tame on the art, same as they did with Conan, you know, but they're just not who you want necessarily doing vampire. I mean, they may farm it out to other people to develop. I mean, it's all up in the air but it just shows the power that this outrage culture can have yeah, well, if it can completely derail, you know, a kind of second tier product like vampire that still has so much cultural cachet and has always been edgy. Was yeah. sale
2: plummeting is uh, was that one of the, the reasons or were they were just like, <sighs> and they just wanted to like, like, ah, I'd- yeah, was,
0: the, the, the stuff that happened around the Anarch and Camarilla book about um, yeah. Chechnya and so on, that seems to have been the final fuck it, we're getting too much backlash for what is a niche industry, I guess compared to their computer games so. some
2: of that could like generate sales, uh, but if, if it had uh, such a negative impact that sales were like you know, half of what they expected I can see why they were, you know, jumping ship. But if they didn't give it any time at all and they were just like, this is a hot potato, I don't know what's gonna happen. Let's we just panic. Panicked. Short-sighted. I mean, yeah. it's actually proof that like, oh yeah, we expected sales to be this, and they were like fifty percent of what we expected, then I would expect that. But I mean I and, don't know. The real problem is that now
1: if they do farm it out grim they're they're not going to farm it out to the people that were developing it before they're going to farm it out to the to the whole you know uh what are they called um the guys who did the previous edition of, of vampire um, yeah ran it into the ground right because oh, those are the, the progressive team you know that are gonna that, that are just gonna you know do the same garbage and and it's gonna be a flaw
0: yeah it's just Weird. I mean, Vampireson was always edgy, always made missteps and mistakes and other things that worked really well.
1: And jokes. But they were, yeah. But, yeah.
0: but they were always a very right-on company. But a bit, a bit well, too much for me. Like, that, like
1: the, the world of darkness in the 90s, if you were a, a pretentious college liberal, that was your game, right? That was the mm-hmm. game you loved, right? Oh, because, you know, the, the werewolves are environmentalists and Magic is all about yeah. special artists, people who are fighting against evil. And all, and all, and all the pronouns like
0: in the book are female and yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was the game de rigueur for, you know, uh, champagne leftists you know, or or college leftists, whatever you want to call it. Right. And now they, it, uh, we, we've gotten to the point where that is a Nazi game, right? That's a game that, is <laughs> not really well. that just shows how much of a shift
0: there's been. And you, you've also got to remember that the nineties was the last time political correctness hit, hit its peak yeah. and vampire was considered mostly acceptable in the, in that atmosphere. So how, how bad th- things have gotten? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But well, I, I, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. We've got, um you know, we've got, Good new games, Warhammer went back for inspiration to the kind of first edition, which was good. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of that kind of, um, I think that's why the OSR continues to bloom. Cause of people going back to their roots with lessons they've learned on the way and, and revising things in that way, rather than completely deconstructing and tearing things down, which isn't productive.
1: Yeah, So, yeah, I think prediction for 2019, uh, my first one, I guess, would be that just like in 2018, the OSR continued to do really well and be on the vanguard of game design. It's in 2019, that's going to keep on happening, right? Because especially now, because you're going to have a bunch of people outside of the OSR who have now, you know, rejected the OSR and what have you, that are the ones that are, you know, about producing propagandistic games or stuff like that. And the people in the OSR are going to keep making you know, avant-garde sort of games that are about the games themselves and really interesting settings. And I I hope that that Venture will actually make a game that's a real OSR product again in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) And I know...
2: OSR, buddy. wave!
1: (laughs) I I think that it's going to keep being a a very important part of the RPG hobby. And it's going to keep being a very influential part just because a lot... You know, last year was more interesting than the year before, and so on. And I think next year is going to keep being more interesting in terms of people pushing the envelope of creating interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, I also think the OSR is going to light the way forward even more than 2018 and 2017. And hopefully, a lot of people that are just getting into D and D will see the old school roots or see what new things they're you know being introduced into the fantasy role-playing game culture. And they see like a lot of the great stuff was coming from the OSR and they'll look deeper into that. And then they'll find a whole bunch of other awesomeness. And they'll see that there are many different ways to to role-play, but the old school way, you know, is one of the best. I know I'm biased and a lot of people are like, well, it's whatever people want, but people keep going back to the old stuff, because a lot of times it's superior. That's just the, I don't, That's just the way it
1: is. I don't, know that. That. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen in 2019. It might not happen until 2020, but sooner or later, what's going to happen is that they're going to have a bunch of these kids who are into d now, 5th edition DD, and uh, that, you know they are all kind of big fans of stuff like Critical Role and stuff like that, and that style of play, that style of making a setting, and that way of making characters and all that sort of thing that are going to get bored of that. And a bunch of them will probably just quit gaming, but a bunch of others will start looking at, well, what other stuff can we do with role-playing games? And that'll be very interesting because some of them will go into stuff like the OSR, and then some of them might create other stuff that might be totally different, which will also be really interesting.
0: I'll tell you something I, I just thought of that's, that's been a trend for a while, but particularly, I think, over the last couple of years, is boutique products. Things like Kickstarter and and Patreon and others have loosened up a lot of cash and allowed a lot of people to make some really outstanding, beautiful or sprawling products. Um, I I think the bottom will fall out of that eventually, but for the time being, you get some really nice coffee table books and props and you know box sets, thing, things like that, and that's that's been interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: yeah, it depends on the economy, but. Uh, if, it, if it's done well, I think there's always a market for a real super niche, as you say, boutique, kind of lavish, but expensive, yeah. exclusive kind of, you know, content or something. Yeah.
0: Like, um, is it Black Sun was was one of the recent ones that comes with all kinds of cards and chits and in a big Invisible Sun. Invisible Sun, that's the one, Invisible yeah. Sun, yeah yeah and kingdom death has you know apparently done done pretty well, and that's hyper expensive so you know the the market's there if you can if you can produce the the product to that kind of level
1: yeah yeah well i've got a prediction that's a pretty safe one in two thousand and eighteen. one of the things that happened is that Gareth Michael Skarka did not finish far west, and I'm predicting that in 2019... 2019- sure. He will also not finish Far West. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, he, he dissed me the other day. I, I forget what about how I didn't produce anything of worth or something like that, right? I want to point out that in this past, you know, this past year alone, my RPG funded Presents series has now reached issue 60, right? Yeah. You one, finished product 60, week,
2: yes. one product a week for 60 weeks. You between- trying to beat the great Vedra Satanus? you prolific uh-huh. bastard? Well, look, I, I
1: am pretty <laughs> prolific here because it, it, each product is between, say, six to 30 pages long, right? So you do the math of how many pages I've managed to write in one year when Gareth Michael Skarka hasn't released Far West.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to get back in the saddle and stop producing stuff at a proper rate again.
1: So yeah.
0: Hopefully now my financial situation and uh, everything has settled down, I'll be able to concentrate on that
1: make another OSR game like Machinations of the Space Princess. That was fantastic.
0: The com- I'm, I've got the companion planned for that, and I was going to do... It sounds counterintuitive and stupid, but I was going to do a fantasy version of that, because things like the race mechanics and so on mm-hmm. deserve to be available for, for a fantasy game. And um, <laughs> talking of Skarka, I did have a very similar game concept um, for a kind of um, turning turning a Western into an Eastern that I held that I held off on doing because he was Williams. doing Far <laughs> West. So yeah, fuck it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and it's shorter order than him, I'm sure.
1: it, so, yeah. I don't know, Wild Wild East or something like that. That's you know? <laughs>
0: what that's what it, that's what it w- was originally called. L- literally, that was the working title um, when they announced this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh but I changed the name to setting sun so I'm going to going to go with that.
2: With even a 5 year head start I think you will beat him.
0: Yeah <laughs> probably.
2: Cuz he has a 5 year head start on you but think,
1: you'll probably win. I think it's closer to 7 now. I'm not sure but yeah, I think I it's like 7 years since this kick started.
0: Man, I don't know. <laughs> I used to get on with him. I don't I used to get on with most people. Um I haven't changed. So I've got to wonder what's going on
2: yeah well world's changed i'm
0: just a hippie i want to get on with everybody but they make it so difficult
1: i don't know what it is about peace loving guys like us that get into you know that (laughs) people get annoyed at them Uh, um shall we move on well any other predictions or are we are we done there
0: um i'll tell you something i want to stop happening in in the next year novelty dice games that rely on novelty dice need to die in a fire
2: oh yes yeah well i would i I think you're right the dice the novelty dice it's i mean you know dcc gets a pass because a they kind of did it first um and those are real dice, at least. Yeah. yeah. They, it's like there's a use for it. Like, oh, if you want a number between 1 and 14, like that might happen. Like, you can use it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to use a D12 or a D20, you know? Yeah. All
0: these, all these dice with special markings and things. Yeah. I don't understand why they did it, but.
2: It's like, yeah. you know, it's, it just feels like too much of a little kid's game. Yeah. Yeah, well, no I'm probably a board game guy, and I know that for the last few years board games have exploded and everybody loves board games, and no matter where, game store, game convention, no matter where I go, like, there's shelves and aisles of board games, and people are playing board games, and like, this would be more, ten times more awesome if you were, like, killing orcs and fighting dragons and, like, trying to steal treasure chests of gold and Magic wands and shit, and you know, kicking peasants and, and talking to <laughs> bar wenches, you know that that's just so better, so much better than a board game because you know um, you get freedom of action and movement and immersion. And a board game, you're like, okay, I roll the dice, I take a card, I read it out, okay, I move three spaces. It just it just seems so you
1: know a lot lot of the stuff they've produced recently is just you know um it's just kind of trash right like it's just stuff that is obviously trying to to get in on the board game boom which is i think that's something that's going to to you know to some extent decline this coming year because uh you know i i think in part because of the popularity of dnd i think that you're gonna see a uh a lot of these uh, you know there's still going to be a, some really successful board games but i think that the the boom of of quickly produced kickstarter made board games is going to kind of you know the 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 bottom's going to fall out of it
2: yeah i mean you need i mean if someone has 100 board games i mean uh, like can't play them all, or if you have a few dozen that are your favorites, like just do that. Like why you know you don't need another one next month, or I don't know. I don't get it. But.
0: and people are willing to spend so much more money on board games than they are RPGs.
1: Yeah. Right. I know some people that it's have not fair. I know, <laughs> that, I know yeah. some <laughs> that have hundreds of them <laughs> and won't play them ever. You know, like I understand at least with an RPG book, you get a book, right? Like it's something I that you'll probably look through and read and 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 I guess you could say there's some nominal value, even in getting one of these fancy RPG books, even knowing that you're never going to play it, right? But, but buying a board game that you're never going to play, that's just kind of sad. It's like getting a puppy that you're never going to walk, you know, or something like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, if it comes with miniatures, especially if they're like cool Cthulhu miniatures or something, that's kind of neat. Yeah, Yeah. Zombicide's
0: fun, and the fantasy version of Zombicide is a lot of fun, and you get a lot of zombies in the boxes. So it's almost worth it for that.
2: (laughs) But the ones where you've got, like, the little tokens or the meeples or whatever, it's like, I don't know, it just seems like lame. But then I'm a (laughs) role-playing game guy, so what do I know? Yeah.
1: Somebody in the in the chat said, and then then you have games like Diplomacy, which you play with six other people that you'll never want to see ever again after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Monopoly's worse, worse than Diplomacy for that, just because it goes on and on and drags. Yeah. Shall we move on then? There's, right. an, so, ele- so. there's an elephant in the room, and its name is Patreon.
1: Yes, let's talk about Patreon. Do you want to kick us off there, Grim?
0: Okie dokie. Um, so, a lot of creative communities, including the role playing industry, including us, including YouTubers as well, um, have come to rely on Patreon, which allows plebs such as our audience to subscribe to people, uh, you know, for as little as a, a buck a month or whatever, and it aggregates that money and gives it to people. And the website also gives you a nice, easily editable front end, so you can limit certain content to certain people. You can provide bonus content. You can take questions, suggestions, and and provide extra service and things for for people. Um, Now, Patreon really came to prominence during the adpocalypse, which was when YouTube was really heavily hit because a handful of extremist videos had adverts on them, and there were a few hit pieces in in the traditional media going after YouTube about this, and a load of big advertisers pulled out. Everyone's ad revenue on YouTube tanked. It became no longer viable. People's livings were ruined, and Patreon kind of filled in the gap. If you couldn't get the advertising revenue on YouTube, you could get some people from your audience to subscribe to you for some money. This isn't necessarily what they intended for Patreon. Um, You can find um, the guy's TED talk about it. Basically, the idea was that this would make creative work more financially viable than it has been in a long time um, due to piracy and all kinds of other issues. People expect to get stuff for free, but if you can get a certain percentage of your, of your audience, 1000 true fans used to be the, Way it was talked about, you know, you could get a regular reliable income for doing creative work that otherwise it's is very hard to monetize. A lot of the people that got hit by the apocalypse were edgy comedians, political commentators, and so on, particularly ones to the right of the spectrum. They all ended up on, on Patreon taking in money there from their subscribers. It's not what they intended. Uh, but, they were making money hand over fist. Everything seemed to be going along fine. And then Patreon got hit by the hit pieces and so on. And a particularly prominent YouTuber called Sargon of Akkad uh, was just summarily removed from from Patreon. Um, it, a lot of money was lost. I don't know how much he was making per month, uh, but an independent center-left journalist, Tim Pool, his audience was affected because people started pulling out of Patreon in in protest and he's lost over five grand a month. I've lost about uh, a quarter of what I was making on Patreon. It's not a lot uh, in the, in the first place, but that shows the kind of significance and it's impacting people and impacting channels and creators that have nothing to do with the political sphere. And it's, it's just a huge clusterfuck. It's an unjust censorship. It doesn't, He didn't violate the terms of service and basically trust in Patreon has tanked loads of creators and subscribers are all pulling out of it. The interesting twist to all this is that there have been competitors in the past. They've been shut down by PayPal and MasterCard and Stripe refusing to process payments for them. And the same thing happened here. A new service was called uh, Subscribestar. A load of people moved over there started you know getting their subscriptions on there away from patreon sorry this is taking quite a long time to, to explain um and then they paypal pulled out of them stripe pulled out of them so they can't process the payments so we've got a multi-tiered layer of censorship going on via financial services um and there's just there's no real escape at the moment a few people are talking about setting up alternatives but if they can't get paypal or stripe or mastercard or whoever else to play ball it, it's there's just no way around it so yes.
2: yeah the guy like that happened is that did that happen a week or two ago
0: a couple of weeks ago i mean so christmas has been in the way so we don't really have any resolution to this okay. but the the patreon people have kept doubling down on on their decision um, and continuing to misrepresent him there's been a few hit pieces and so on um there's a transcript of a conversation with one of their trust and safety team that uh, Matt christensen i think he's is a youtuber yep. center right politics he transcribed their conversation and it's quite shocking um really if you go if you go and look at it but there's just there's just no alternatives yet
1: not yet, but um, no. supposedly, there's a i mean a video came out with uh, Dave Rubin and uh, Jordan Peterson, who are two of the big figures of the intellectual dark web, um who have been saying apparently Jordan Peterson had been kind of seeing this coming for a long time, and over the course of the past year, he's been trying to work on creating some kind of an alternative to Patreon that he claims will be immune to this sort of tactic, and he says that it It will roll out sometime relatively soon. Dave Rubin has come on board with this and um as far as I'm concerned, I mean when that happens, like I have a a, a Patreon account, right It's never been very supported. I think in part because maybe contrary to the audience that the two of you have, my audience is full of people who were suspicious of Patreon even before any of this happened, right like uh, mm. a lot of people who are kind of. Um, in the cultural libertarian camp and especially if you're tending towards the right wing side of the cultural libertarian camp you start out looking at patreon as having been this thing that hipsters invented right and so it's not your natural place to go and then on top of that you, you kind of were always suspecting that there was going to be this kind of nonsense that was going to come about so i think a lot of the people that that support me have supported me either by I've had some people that have um, supported me on PayPal, my um, on my blog. If you go to, to my blog where uh, the RPG I have a, um, a PayPal button that uh, people can donate to, but also a lot of them have supported me by purchasing product, right? Like the RPG pundit present series kind of lends itself to that because the products range in price from like, 99 cents to 299 right and so i suspect that a lot of people who really like my stuff are just buying those 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 games those pdf products uh as a way to you know to get something cool and also to uh to kind of support me and i encourage all of our viewers to do that but uh but yeah but but even i've seen that even there my 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 patreon account has seen a reduction right and i've already said on my channel that as soon as you know whatever it is that Peterson and Ruben are cooking up comes out, I'm going to switch to that. Right. And uh, I suspect a lot of other people will. And we're, I guess we're going to have to see how immune it is to the sort of uh, trickery that, that PayPal and MasterCard can pull off. Right. And for how much longer this sort of thing is going to be tolerated, because it's basically what's going on right now is essentially a kind of racketeering, right? It's these big companies working together to help certain big internet companies kill their own competition right which is you know um, that's not capitalism that's that's a trademark example of racketeering that you know has to be uh, it has to be stopped right and I think that but if this sort of nonsense keeps going then you're going to end up um, seeing some intervention um, possibly by the US government or or in other ways right because it's just yeah, I'm not Maybe I'm more. not
0: hundred. 100- I'm not certain of that because um, a lot of this started out from the government. Um, this this isn't a conspiracy theory. You can go and look it up. There was this thing undertaken by the U.S. government called Operation Choke Point, and the idea was to attack black market and gray market transactions arms deals, drug deals, things like that. But almost immediately it overreached and it started attacking sex workers and so on. And it created this whole apparatus by which fiscal censorship can take place around the back door. Similar things have gone on in Europe um, with the German government pressuring Facebook to censor certain content. It's not the government acting, so it's not considered censorship; it's considered, you know, Facebook's terms of service or whatever. No, we true. we say you can't put certain content on our platform, but it's the government behind the scenes. So I'd say it's more corporatism than cronyism because this there is this this all going on, and adult workers have got it in the neck for for some time. They were mass banned from from Patreon, though a few cosplayers and so on have managed to. Sneak in under the wire. So yes,
2: uh hang on, I just wanna um so I saw your your video, Grim, on uh the thoughts audit. Yes. And which was good. I I'd heard about it before and to the point where it kept coming up, I was like, What what's a what is a T H O T? I don't know what that is. So I you know did my Google search <laughs> like, oh that home over there, okay. That sounds yeah, that sounds reasonable, I guess. Um, and I watched your video to get more up to date on what that is. And then I was so inspired by the concept and people talking and talking about it. And then Grimm's video that I made uh, an Alpha Blue um, scenario called Thought on It, which will soon be uh, sequelized by um, the Thought Police. <laughs> and, uh, probably will come culminate in the uh, the third part of the trilogy um a your thoughts
1: i don't know i don't know what to make of this but when when I, some kind of political thing like this comes up i make a rant on youtube and venture goes and makes an
2: alpha blue supplement <laughs> <laughs> that's how i deal with with the bullshit <laughs> yeah of <laughs> the, the right. of information I just um, I try yeah, to do something easy and um, ridiculous with it, and that's that's how I get by and stay sane. When I, when I so saw your car healthier. for the first time, I commented, "You magnificent bastard!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am, of course.
0: I yeah. mean uh, this this problem, I, uh, uh, cryptocurrency and the blockchain. It's having said yeah, that,
2: I, I should also go because it might okay. Will last a lot. So, good night, guys. <laughs> Great show. Take care. See you in the new year. Yes, Take 2018 care. was good. 2019 will hopefully be even better. Tentacles crossed. And, um, yeah, good show, guys. See ya. Take care, man.
1: See you later. So, uh, just a sec. Now that Venger has left, in our chat, someone just commented, Venger Alpha Blue Satan is pretending not to know what a thought is is the RPG highlight of 2018. I don't know. <laughs> Vendor is surprisingly innocent sometimes, you know, so I think that... Yeah. Uh,
0: he's, a, he's a bit of a <laughs> boomer. i been
1: pretending, my dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying, um, cryptocurrency in the blockchain has often been described as a solution in search of a problem. But here we may have found an, an actual use for it, um, you know, to transfer a value that isn't reliant on... Paypal and so on. The trouble is you've still got to turn it into real money. Um, it's not easy or intuitive to use. It's got a bad reputation for good reasons, but if someone can make that more usable,
1: yeah, that's the that's solution. I, I was thinking the exact same thing, which is that what really needs to happen is that there needs to be some way to create a cryptocurrency that is easy enough for my mom to use it you know like that, yeah. that anybody can use right not because right now it's like this weird thing i mean i i wouldn't know how to 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 use it right and and uh, i think the average person just would not that you know they'd be totally lost they'd have no confidence in it and they they would find it too technically difficult to do right but if you could create like an app that that does it in a really simple and straightforward way and that has some way to convert it as you say to real money in an easy straightforward way that would change the whole game and i'm sure that eventually it'll happen it's just it we need some kind of a genius to figure out how to do it in a way that because i think the problem is too there's this kind of culture around cryptocurrency of uh, just like what happened in the early days of linux right that there's, there were people that were just about taking pride in the fact that the normies don't know how to do it, right? And like that's, <laughs> that's super complicated, right? So it means it's something that only the elites get to do, right? And yeah. uh, I think that if, if we can get out of that mindset, that stupid idea, and make it into a, a something that is really um, for popular use, right, then that'll be absolutely revolutionary because suddenly we won't need the government To handle the economy you know like we'll be able to have a whole other economy that is uncontrollable and uh, to me that would be as a a, you know uh, a anarcho capitalist that would be fantastic
0: (laughs) I mean I'm, I'm hardly a hapless techno weenie I used to do tech support I'm not the best but you know I know my way around and I just find the whole process intimidating and confusing and run into choice paralysis all the time which coin what wallet how do i turn this back into real money <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's just it's got to it's got to be as easy as I what i currently do with my bank account log, you know log in there and send right. transfers to, and so on.
1: it has to at least be as easy as paypal you know, if you can make yeah. it as PayPal, then, then that'll change the whole game, right? And I think yeah. that the person that does that will will be, you know, he'll be famous forever. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously in the long term, I think that's what has to happen. It's what's, it's what's going to happen in some way. That or, you know, the creation of alternative um, financial systems that are, you know, like, an alternative to MasterCard, basically, that is dedicated to, you know, open commerce and not the politicization of commerce.
2: Yeah. Because
1: but- it's, it's quite frightening. We're getting very close to the point where if a certain, you know, uh, neo-Marxist uh, social justice warrior decides that you shouldn't be able to have enough money to even buy food, then you, you're going to starve to death, right? Because they just don't want you to eat, right? And this like, is... The- um- that is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. You've um
0: you've read, read stuff, seen stuff about China's social credit system, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's a kind of centralized governmental way of creating this horrific dystopia. Um and like even beggars in the streets there use electronic payments. And if you end up with a uh, too much of a negative score, you get cut off from using your mobile phone to do payments, things like that. You basically get knocked off grid involuntarily and we're, we're getting to that point and it hasn't needed a massive authoritarian pseudo-communist government to do it just social media and social pressure and activism
1: no, is it's doing it like totalitarian pseudo-communist establishment to do it which is what we have right we don't have that in government but that's because government has become less important in some ways than the yeah. infiltration of certain corporations by by people who, you know, utterly despise our entire system, you know.
0: Yeah, but uh, corporations, you used to be able to rely on them to be amoral and avaricious. Yeah. And you, you can't even rely on them to make purely capitalist decisions anymore.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's stunning, but I don't think that can last, right? Sooner or later, there'll be a market adjustment in that sense, right? That but, but you're going to have... Um, inevitably people who will see that there's a market in that, right? And where it'll come from, I don't know. It might. I hope that it'll come from a group of, you know, libertarians who want to create um, economic freedom and that it won't come necessarily from, say, you know, narco traffickers or something like that, right? But if if one group doesn't occupy that niche, another one will. And and it might end up being the only alternative. I mean, some people talking about, um, you know, the fact that that if eventually you're gonna have people going and doing like instead of going to YouTube to do their channels, you know, their their shitlord channels or what have you, they're gonna go on Pornhub to do it, right? And it won't be porn, it's just that Pornhub will let you do it and YouTube won't, right? And yeah, uh, that might that might end up being it. Pornhub might turn into the economic powerhouse of the free market because of that. <laughs> you, know, you never know. Yeah, it's- everything everything seems to be kind
0: of bifurcating, like you've got Two science fiction fandoms now each doing their own thing independently we've got two streams of comic books each doing their own thing and possibly that happening in in gaming it's very and now possibly in payment processing and things
1: Well, i think that that's happening at every level of culture and society you can you can point out that division uh, it's because yeah. essentially we're we're in the middle of a you know uh, um, a non-violent for them, well mostly non-violent civil war in in the west you know like we're yeah. in a situation where you you pretty much have to take a side because one group won't let you not take a side right so you're either yeah. going to be in line with the totalitarians or you're going to join the rebellion it's one of the two right you don't yeah. have a
0: sense. and that that that's it the split isn't left and right even though people describe it that way it's authoritarian libertarian yeah, which is why people like us end up as such strange bedfellows right. in this in this culture, war.
1: and you know, stranger bedfellows still, right? Like, uh, you look at the, you know Peterson and Dave Rubin, right? Neither of them, I think, would have considered themselves to be right wing. Maybe Peterson considered himself to be right wing before Rubin did, but but you know, these were guys; these were not guys who were traditional. You know, uh, William F. Buckley-style conservatives. You know, they neither of them. Yeah. Are. In fact, there's a lot of the William F. Buckley crowd of neocons that are taking the side of the totalitarians, right? Because they've, you know, that's what they've always wanted—a strictly controlled technocratic society, right? And so, if, yeah. they have to, if they have to fall in bed with the left, to do it. They will, right? And so you're you're you are seeing this weird division. And of course, there may be more. Um, there might be more people on the right just because. The impetus of the establishment has turned towards the, the, the kind of cultural neo-Marxist left um, that are taking the side of the rebellion, but it's certainly not absolute and exclusive either way, right? You're seeing a lot of people who used to call themselves liberals that don't call themselves liberals anymore, myself included, because yeah. of, of this sort of bullshit, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Sam Harris is one of the biggest names so far that's pulled out of, of Patreon. He's yeah, yeah. massively liberal. Um,
1: he's making, you know, an unbelievable amount of money from Patreon, right?
0: Yeah, um, and he's just, yeah, yanked that. You know, he makes enough money otherwise to be comfortable, and um, clearly, yeah. a, clearly, a principled dude. But you know, he's been under attack for a few years now, yeah. just um, for having the conversations. You know,
1: yeah, that's yeah. crazy you know, and reason-based opinions that are considered dangerous in modern society because, you know, because truth isn't...
0: Oh, cut out again.
1: ...hope that we're going to, you know, if if the, a viable alternative comes up soon, like I'm not, uh, like what I said on my channel, and I suppose it applies to inappropriate characters, is that we... We really are grateful for the support that anyone gives us on Patreon. We hope people will keep supporting us on Patreon for now. But the yeah. second, as far as I'm concerned, the second that there is a viable alternative, whether it's Peterson's or somebody else's, I'm going to switch there with my channel. And I hope inappropriate characters will do the same. You know, uh, yeah, because-
0: I'm, I'm going to play it by ear. I've,
1: I've said have- direct
0: subscriptions, but yeah, you know, we have to see how things shake down.
1: Yeah. I mean Patreon, there's no question that Patreon has behaved incredibly unethically, right? And uh Yeah. You know, and
0: inconsistently.
1: I'm I'm not in a position to say to people who want to support me, no, don't I'm not I'm gonna cut off this venue for you to support me right now. But as soon as there's an alternative, then then yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are waiting on. So when there is an alternative, Patreon's yeah. gonna take a take a massive hit
1: they've already taken a big hit right like there's there's like you said there's tons of people who are creators that have nothing to do with politics at all that have seen a huge drop in supporters because there's people just dropping all support on patreon because of this and i totally understand that and i'm not going to criticize anyone for doing that right now it totally you know i totally understand that uh and but i think that as soon as there's something else that there's an alternative you're going to see a bunch of creators who are hanging on right now out of necessity. That are going to jump and a whole bunch of supporters of patreon that are going to jump with them and then Patreon's going to be in a lot of trouble
0: yeah i i they've made all the wrong moves ever since this happened in the first place i don't know if they can recover from it i mean they might be okay with all their normie transactions but they have taken a a massive hit
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: so anything else you wanted to finish up on or um or are we good
1: I want to wish all of our viewers a happy new year, and uh, let's hope that two thousand. I think uh, 2018 Sorry, was a was a better year than the last, and I hope that two thousand nineteen will continue on that route, and that we're going to see more and more um, support for opposing the kind of nonsensical totalitarianism that had uh, for a while really been indomitable and that now is suddenly finding itself being challenged at pretty much every turn so let's let's hope that continues and uh the issue number 60 of rpg pundit presents has just come out so uh please check out my uh, rpg pundit presents series and i'm sure you're gonna find if you're into the osr uh or you like gonzo fantasy or medieval authentic fantasy either way you're going to find a lot of products out of those 60 I've come out with so far, and there's more to come and, uh, you're, you, you should check it out. And if you don't want to support us on Patreon, you can certainly support me there. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it for me.
0: Um, I'm finalizing my plans for next year, but we may be looking at setting sun and stuff I put off from last year for health and other reasons, but there'll be more tales of gore releases. And, um, Yeah, I'll be finalising my plans. I am planning to do a regular streamed game. I know you won't care about that, pundit, but uh, possibly Warhammer haven't haven't decided yet. But uh, something. I did a couple of games last this last year, and that's um, that was fun. I want to get back into playing more regularly than I otherwise do. So, well,
1: that's all we. I hope everyone plays more than they do right now, uh, except me, because I'm playing about 14 hours a week. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it all of if you can get it. aren't getting enough play, and you've got to go and and do some playing because that's uh, that's the whole point of the hobby, really.
0: Yeah. All right. I think we're done. So uh, I'll see. We'll see you all next time, Um, approximately a month from now. We'll, yeah. we'll see how things go. Uh, Happy New Year on- to everyone. <laughs>
1: Want us to do more than one show a month? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, and wherever we end up after Patreon.
1: Yeah, currently smoking uh, near a billiard. Plus, uh, what the hell am I smoking in it right now? Oh, uh, Peterson Wild Atlantic. There we go. <laughs> All right.
0: See you, everyone. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye.